Hello folks, welcome back. I'm your host Simon Ward and this is the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast where I can promise that you'll always hear a Yorkshire accent and we'll never have any adverts. We chat with our guests about peak performance, fitness, health, nutrition, recovery, longevity, relationships and happiness because it doesn't matter whether you want to finish your first sprint triathlon, set a personal best at your next race or just keep turning up until you're in your 70s. Each of these elements has real significance. This week, I'm chatting with Michael Adoniron, AKA the Urban Challenger, who will be racing at Outlaw X in late September. Michael's one of four Outlaw ambassadors we have in 2022, and as he prepares for the event, he's sharing his training journey with his 10,000 plus followers on Instagram. Michael's also joined on the call by his young daughter, Amaya, his biggest fan, so you might hear her shortly in the way in the background. Before then, let me take a few seconds to tell you about a two-page case study I've written. If you've ever thought about entering a triathlon like an outlaw half or full, I outlined the simple formula I've used to help hundreds of people just like you to excel at their first long distance event. You can get your copy by clicking on the very obvious link in the show notes. Okay, so let's crack on and have a chat with the Urban Challenger. Welcome to the show, Michael Adoniron, or AKA the Urban Challenger. Hello, 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 hello. How are you, Michael? I'm good, really good. It's a, it's a warm day. I'm stuck in here at home, working from home. But apart from that, I'm really good. Yeah, so I'll give the listeners a bit of backstory, Michael. The reason you and I are chatting today is because you are one of four Outlaw Ambassadors that we have this year for yes. Outlaw events. You are doing Outlaw X at the end yep. of September. And we thought it would be good to just find out a little bit about why you are an ambassador. And I think we should kick off about this uh, with this whole thing about the Urban Challenger. Where did that come from? <laughs> um, so uh, the truth is, I think my missus was a very successful blogger, influencer, whatever you want to call it. Um, and Basically, I was really jealous that she always got free stuff. Um, right. Yeah, and um, like every day there'd be something coming in the post. And I think it was more so she wasn't giving me enough attention. So um, <laughs> she was like, I asked, how can I start something like this? What, and she was like, what do you enjoy? I was like, I kind of like fitness. I kind of like running around. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of where the Urban Challenger got born so yes I just made a little Instagram I started with the blog really um just talking about how I what events I was doing how I was getting ready for them and then it kind of took off into the Instagram Mm -hmm. the the rest is history well I'm sure there's a few people um that are listening they're thinking I might might like a bit of that some free kit of course it's not easy you know being an influencer these days um I think I think the world's got wise to influencers. People people are a little bit more skeptical yep. about what they do. I, I met somebody the other day who said I'm a professional influencer. I'm like, well, that's actually a thing now, is it? You know, you can actually you can actually make a living being an influencer. Uh, but it seems that you can, and maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me being old. You know, like what what, what happened to people having proper jobs? But then I think, well, actually, I've not got a proper job. I've been a triathlon coach for 13 years. <laughs> and when I was growing up, you had to be a solicitor or an accountant if you wanted a proper job. Well, that's it. I think um, I I'm, I still have what's considered a proper job, I guess. Um, and I have my nine to five and I do the, the influencer stuff on the side just because I enjoy it more so than it uh, can carry my lifestyle. 
Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's weird. It has become that thing where people can take off into it and you know earn a full full living. Um, I just yeah, I, I like I like my life there and I like my influencer side there as well. Mm. I like I like both. Mm. And has it actually uh, resulted in you getting lots of free free swag through the post every day? <laughs> Not every day. Um, I, I, you know, there are a few things that I have had the. Uh, I've been gifted enough to, you know, get, um, which has been great because I've worked with some awesome brands. Uh, but yeah, you know, I never take it for granted. Well, well, we'll come back to, we'll come back to what being an influencer means. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, when did you start all of this urban challenger stuff? Uh, actually, before we get to that, what, what you're a runner, right? That's your main. That's your yeah. main sport. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Okay, and have you been doing that since you were little? Um, no, I put, I only started really running in 2015. I'd say like properly, like going on trips around the park, just doing fixed over like a 2k loop. Hmm. Um, and that's only because one of my someone that lived next to me, they always used to go on runs, and they were like, "Michael, you're gonna come." I was like, "Okay." Um, and I was more into weights and weightlifting rather than running like so I didn't know what cardio was for a long long time um and then yeah when I when I met this dude uh, you know we started doing the runs and I just found it hard work because I think I was at 15 stone at one point okay um and that was more so that wasn't that was more so just weightlifting so I, I got my, my weight up but um yeah running was tough and then my missus invited me to an obstacle course race um that she got invited and then from there I kind of, I was like, oh, I really enjoy this. So how can I get better? I need to run. So that's kind of where the change turned to me, running around. Of course, um, we had a a lady on recently called Alice Hector, who was a a professional triathlete. You know, she's won international half Ironman distance events and, or in the outlaw world, as we call them, uh, alternative outlaw distance (laughs) events. And Alice turned to bodybuilding and physique competition so she's in the bikini category but still she's 10 kilos heavier now um, wow. and her so from somebody who was doing what was what you might call chronic cardio her only cardio now <laughs> is to go for a 45 minute walk whereas you've gone the other way you know and i guess when you were weightlifting cardio would have been well i get a bit of cardio when i walk to the shops <laughs> yeah um walking on the treadmill for about five minutes and that yeah that's my warm-up and my cool down done so uh yeah it's changed a lot do you still lift? Um, not as much as I would like to. Um, I only say that just time. Yeah, I, anyone can blame the time. I just, yeah, I just don't do it as much as I want to. Um, I did. I was actually in a CrossFit kind of competition on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brought the horror of lifting back to me because your body completely forgets what it's like to do squats and uh deadlifts and all that fun stuff and yeah my body's really feeling that now so, so uh, run, running today would have been uh, a, li- a little tender yeah it would have been really 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 tender not a little mm. okay so you were running um mm-hmm. then then we had the pandemic of course yes um did were you trying to become a um an influencer before then um i think i, I by, by the time the pandemic came i think i already had like a substantial base in terms of what I was doing on the uh, Instagram side of things. So I think the pandemic was a weird one because my whole audience came from obstacle course racing. um, And then for two years, there was no obstacle course racing. So um, I really had to 
change what I was presenting, I suppose, mm-hmm. so you could say. Um, and I took up, I took up, I started leaning towards ultra running. Mm-hmm. So, because all I could do was run. So I was like, why don't I just run really far? Um, and uh, yeah, so I was just training for ultras. And um, I think for me, that's when my Instagram took a lot more of a turn towards running and, you know, just seeing pretty backgrounds and taking pictures. And that's mm-hmm. where that led to. Okay. And at what at what point did this... Uh... This name of the Urban Challenger come into play. Um, I think it was it was it was back in 2015 when I created the blog. Um, but it, it was more so I'm from Brixton, South London originally, um, which is a very urban area, and I like challenging myself. So <laughs> put, put two and two together, and it just made it made sense. Okay, so what 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 did you do during the pandemic? Because we all had our our routines and our, you know, like a lot of the listeners uh, from the outlaw will be thinking, well, there were no outlaw events. And I remember seeing all the triathletes getting on Swift and doing races regularly, or some of, there were, there were some of these solo triathlons that you could do where you'd, you'd, you know, you'd do your own Swift session and go out for a run and you'd send in your times and it was, or people were doing fastest known times as well. So what, what yeah. did you start doing? Um, so yeah, I was doing, I started with all the kind of virtual events cause that that's what everyone was kind of getting into. So um loads of yeah loads of stuff in my garden actually because it was all kind of spartan virtuals where you do 50 burpees and you do this then you go and do a 10k run time it come back and do another 50 burpees stuff like that um and then i got i got really bored of the virtual event stuff um just because it's not it's meant to replicate the feeling but it doesn't nothing can um so i think that's why the ultra running was more what i was aiming for just because it just gave you a purpose to run far and then I started doing um I call it the artful jogger so I really like graffiti and street art and it was all about just running far away to see some street art somewhere and that was great that was a great that worked well for my uh my ultra running because I would have to like literally go 20k to see a piece of piece of artwork so yeah I just really took that on and then yeah, the rest was the rest was history, as they say. Mm. So let's let's talk about being an influencer. What 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 is it your wife does? Let's give her a plug if she's a successful blogger and influencer. <laughs> yeah, she's good. Um, so right now, I think she, she still does blog very intermittently, but she um, her her day job is a, she's a digital designer. So um, you know, when it comes to the way things look and composition and all this stuff, she's to blame. Um, but yeah, on the on the on the that's her day to day job as well. So apart from that, uh, what's her thing? That sim- simply simply Cantara. There you go. Simply Cantara. Can, is that her name? Cantara. Yes. C A N T A R A. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll put we'll put a link to that in the show notes. See if we can get her a few more followers. <laughs> She's a uh, yeah. She doesn't. I mean, she doesn't take it as seriously as I do. But I don't think any, I take it that seriously either. I just enjoy it. Well, I think if you, if if the influencing is as a byproduct of just sharing your enjoyment for something, that's different to where yeah. you're actively going out there trying to find um, new followers. Because I, I get all these uh, little spam things, probably like you uh, do, where people are saying, yeah, sign up with us and we'll get you a million followers. And I'm like, <laughs> a million followers? What, they're just going to be? You, you might as well just go down and, you know, sort of um, just 
illicitly get a whole load of email addresses. They're not, they're not real <laughs> followers, are they? They're just, you know, they're not going to be, they're not actually going to be engaged in your posts, which is clearly what influencing is supposed to be about, is it having people who are engaged in what you're doing. Yeah, and I think I think the good, the, the best thing I've found from it is just the amount of people you meet from it. So I would interact with someone on Instagram, then I'll meet them in real life. And that then that, that's the that's the real journey, I think. You mm-hmm. kind of, you, you take it away from this computer stuff that everyone does and it's the real life people that you meet from. I've met some amazing people mm-hmm. um, and I continue to. So yeah, that's the, that's the best thing about it, I think. So how many Instagram followers do you, do you have now? More like 10,000 and something. 10,000 kind of, you kind of stop showing you after 10,000. So yeah, um, ten thousand plus. You're not quite an influencer then, yeah. I thought I thought that these days they said to be an influencer, you're like the, the, the <laughs> company's looking for twenty five to thirty thousand plus. There you go. See, I'm small time. Small uh, time. What about what about your wife then? Is she still in the? Does she still lead the household competition? Oh no, she's no. I'm I'm the leader in the house. I am definitely the leader, and um, <laughs> I think I'll continue to be because. Yeah, she she can't compete. She's on she's on half. She's pretty much half what I do. But you know, she's good at what she does. We have different different audiences. Mm. That's the that's the key. So when you're an influencer, then um, what do you have to do? I mean, do you do you approach companies and say, look, I've got all these followers, and I can do this for you, or do people come to you and say, oh, we see you've got X number of followers on Instagram, um, we'd like to offer you this deal. Um, it's, it's, I guess it's a bit of both. I think, um, my background is sales. So, um, I know how to, I guess, approach a client and sell my wares or, you know, make, make it, make it feasible for them to want to work with me. I think, so I I was good at that at the very beginning. Um, and I think the bigger, the bigger you get, the more you have people coming to you. Right. So it's, it's kind of like the avalanche effect, the more it goes down the more it builds. So, mm. and then I, I guess I've kept, I've kept the good relationships um, with a, with a select few. And then from there, they're, they're the ones that keep coming back is more return, return people that I like to work with mm-hmm. rather than um, just working with everyone. So I think that's the biggest change you make when you kind of grow, you get to select who you work with um, because there's just some things that I just don't want to do um, because it doesn't make sense. Um, and I'm not interested in it, but yeah. So do you try and work with companies that have values that are aligned with yours? Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's all that matters. And when you go to them, <laughs> do you start off by saying, "I"? I that's that's your biggest supporter, right? Your daughter. Yeah, um, she's always uh, cheering me on. Um, yeah. So, so sorry. So you you go to a company and you say, "Right, this is me." I'm on Instagram. I'm the Urban Challenge. I've got 10,000 plus followers. This is what I can do for you. Because my my I used to have a, a business selling indoor bike trainers. Okay. And my friend has, uh, you might meet Colin actually, he runs race skin. So you might have some of their kit to okay. racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they, they do all the official merch for Outlaw events. Nice. They get lots of people writing, asking for sponsorship. But it's always, gimme, 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 gimme. Yeah. And there's never much. This is what I can do for you. And I always feel like if you if you want to get sponsorship, you should your opening line should be, "This is what I can do for you. This is how I can help. This is how I think we could work together. These are some of the ideas I have." 
um, can we talk? And then you talk about what you want. Whereas I think people always open up with what, what are you going to give me? That's it. And I think that's rule number one of sales, right? It's not what you can do for me. It's what I can do for you. Um, and I think that's where the word influencers become quite dirty, right? Because everyone's like, all they do is take, take, take. Um, mm-hmm. But I've done some, I've done some really cool work for certain brands that you wouldn't even know is me. Um, unless my face is in it, of course. But like, you know, it's just work, it's just working and creating good content for them to use mm-hmm. um, that I wouldn't always have to use on my platforms, but it's just working with them and making sure that you deliver on your promises because that's what it's about delivering, right? So who 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 are some of the companies you work with at the moment then? Um, so at the moment, uh, the main ones I work with, so Under Armour, uh, they, they're my biggest sponsor. They support me um, throughout everything. So I'm a UA runner. Um, uh, Sun God, always quite good. Um, oh. So they do the shades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So their stuff's really cool. Um, That's, is, that, is that Sun God or Sun Dog? Because there used to be a Sun Dog as well, didn't there? <laughs> well, I, think. I, I know Sun God. I don't know Sun Dog. Sun dog sounds kind of cool, though. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Once upon a time, I had some sun dog sunglasses, but I might be mistaken. Maybe they were sun god, and I just They're probably uh, sun god. Yeah, I just read it a bit too quickly, <laughs> or it's upside down or something. Um, yeah, then um, you know, typically in the past, I've worked with people like Runderwear, who are an awesome company, um, uh, and yeah, there's been a few bigger names there as well. But yeah, there's they're the main main ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and tell us about some of those little things that you've been doing then where you might be in the background. Your face is necessarily going to be visible. <laughs> um, it's usually product reviews and stuff like that. Um, putting together a, whether it's a reel or, you know, just an Instagram post. That, that's, I've done quite a few of those um, those things and, you know, it's just, it's just good for the, the brands. The brands were like your stay, style and they just want you to do a picture of their thing in your style. Whether you have to be in it or not is up to them. Okay. And do they put, do they have um, requirements, specific requirements of what you need to do, like one blog post a month or, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. four, four, one photograph a week or something? Yeah. Everyone, everyone has a requirement, right? And um, I guess it's just about bargaining with them and seeing whether their requirement matches what you're willing to do for whatever it is that's being exchanged. Do you, do you ever find it onerous um, having to, once you started the ball rolling? So like mm-hmm. I, I do this podcast every week. Yes. And it feels like almost you can't let go of it then. The ball's rolling and you you have to work hard. It's like pushing a snowball up a hill. But yeah. at some point, if you're not careful, you go over the hill and then it starts going down a hill and you've got, you're not, you no longer have to create momentum. You have to keep up with it. And mm. I often think, oh, if I, if I'm writing a blog and I try to, I, I try to write emails to my, my mailing list three times a week. So one of them's a podcast and I do one early in the week and I do one around Friday or Saturday. And they're all stuff that, you know, lifestyle stuff, the things I've learned from racing and training. Mm-hmm. It's, trying, it's trying to add value to... to I what, do like your emails. So yeah. So I, I I send those out, but then sometimes I think, oh, I'm going away. I'm going away for a week now and I haven't got time to do these. Uh, you know, are people going to miss me? And, I, and I've heard other influence, uh, influencers and bloggers saying... That, that actually it becomes a rod for their own back. Have you have you got mm. to that point yet? I think for myself, I've been pretty consistent in terms of posting and um, I'm very much used to posting and it doesn't, it's not something that takes away from my day because I'm quite, I'm quite, 
<laughs> efficient with it. Um, and in terms of content, I just have content because I enjoy going out, running, taking pictures anyway. So you build up a nice pipeline of uh, stuff that you can post. And obviously, because I do events basically every week, um, I end up getting loads of pictures from races anyway. So it kind of, it all feeds into it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's times where if I'm away, I don't want to, I don't particularly want to be posting about something because I'm away trying to enjoy my holiday. Um, but I guess there is that, there is that little thing in you that's like, oh, I have to post, I have to post, I have mm-hmm. to post. I think the longer I've been doing it, the more I'm like, it's okay if I don't. Um, and I think that's the main thing. It's kind of like, you do it for yourself because um, you enjoy it rather than doing it because you feel like you have to. Um, there's, they're two very different ways of getting things done. And yeah, I do it because I enjoy it and not because I feel like I have to. So you'd still be doing it even if one person was uh, liking your posts? Well, that's it. It's, it's all about that. Technically, it's all about the one person and it's the people that message me individually Mm. Um, asking me for either advice or how I found something. They're the ones that I, you know, I really like interacting with because, you know, they they care about the journey. Right. So now you've got 10,000 followers and you're yes. getting more people liking your posts and more people responding. Are you finding it difficult to keep up with some some of the, you know, if you put, have a, pop, a post that really catches people's eye and um, causes some posts, do you find it difficult to keep up with all the responses you need to do? Um, no, not really. I think I just set my times quite right. I think since becoming a dad anyway, timing is everything, right? And I have to be care- be careful not to take away from kids' time and the wife's time. So I just know I'm an early bird. So I wake up before anyone else, um, before the kids are, are running around driving me insane. And um, yeah, I'm just good with time, really. So I never find anything t- takes away from me. And are you doing this mostly on your phone or do you use um, some sort of uh, laptop, iPad-based Instagram application? Ah, it's all on my phone. Um, yeah. yeah. The, phone, the phone is the only computer you need nowadays. Right. Yeah, as long as you've got good eyesight. <laughs> that is, well, yeah, I'm still, I'm still 2020, so it's all good. <laughs> good for you. Um, now, what, what else was I going to ask you then about this whole influencer thing? So... Um, You've got 10,000 people. You do your posts most days, doing it for you. You're building that up. Do you do you have some sort of um, like deliberate practice that helps you to build um, a bigger following these days? Or is it just, is it, are you just doing it organically? Um, you know, are there, are there, are there tips you can share with other people who want to go down this, like using specific uh, hashtags or certain mm. things? Do you find that posts with a photograph are better than videos or reels are better? Is it better to do a, is it better to do a feed or a story? Mm, right. Loads of questions there. Yeah. Um, yeah, start, of... yeah. Let's start. <laughs> so, um, are you just using Instagram? No Facebook? Right. No. So my Instagram is connected to my Facebook, but right. Facebook is a completely different. It's not really, I don't use it. It's just there. And it's for anyone. It's for like family members that you haven't seen in 20 years to keep in contact. Right. So, yeah, that's not really what I used to get my content out. OK. Reels versus a photo versus a video. Right, so that is all dependent on what Instagram want you to use, right? And I think Instagram are trying to compete with TikTok. So right now, Reels is the thing they're pushing. That's just the way that is. Um, so video content is king at the moment. 
But I think this stuff comes in waves. Um, and I also think Instagram have to listen to the people that use it. And I think the people who use it are starting to get annoyed that they're trying to become TikTok, um, which is, you know, a different well, did, story. Didn't they just change something about their latest um, their latest update? Um, they reversed it the other day because it was, was it was it pushing them towards looking like TikTok and they reversed out of that? Ah, uh, right. So I didn't get that update. So their updates are really weird, right? They They push it out to a select few people to see how it works. And then, you know, if it works really well, they push it out to everyone. So I didn't get an update. Um, but yeah, I can see what I can see why they do it because TikTok is massive. Um, so they want to be like TikTok, right? Yeah, I'm not sure I got um I'm not sure I got that one either. I think mm. it was uh, I think it was an update they were planning, and uh I think there might have been some pushback against the it. The backlash. Yeah. Shut it down, yeah. <laughs> right so uh you use music do you put put music to it as well yeah so I, I love music um so a lot of the time i just find a nice a cool track and then mm-hmm. um just throw the video on there and then that's that's it it's not it doesn't it doesn't have to be a laborious task i think that's what a lot of people get wrong it, it can be really easy if you just you know i don't i don't put too much thought into a lot of things and i think sometimes they're the best ones where you just like I'm going to make it, I'm going to throw a video, I'm going to put a cool tune that I enjoy, and then people might like it. So I've seen some of your videos where you're running. You obviously have to go and set that up. You've got to put your, <laughs> phone, you've got to put your phone down, or do you use a GoPro? Or do you have a, yeah. so When you put your phone down, do you, um, do you put it on a tripod and then set it up and then run past it and then go back? So obviously you've got to edit the video there, haven't you, from all the bits of messing about at the beginning and the end? Yeah. Um, so yes, I have a GoPro. Yes, I have a tripod. Um, <laughs> yes, I have to run past it a couple of times and then cut it together and make it match the music is usually what I try and do. Um, but yeah, ten minutes. Right. <laughs> it takes yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, when you when you when you're good on these things, like it probably takes me <laughs> half an hour at the moment. So when you do, so if you're doing reels, that reels are mostly videos, aren't they? So yeah, you've got to do a video of something every day. What about writing posts? Do you ever do like a long post giving information away about stuff? Yeah, so I guess that's more that's more geared towards my blog. So I think the, I guess a lot of the things that people on Instagram wouldn't know about me is that everything has stemmed from the blog in the first place. So mm-hmm. long form content was usually my, was my beginning, um, and just writing posts about how to get better at stuff and how to do it or why you should. Um, and that's kind of, if you wanted to get that kind of stuff from me, that's where you'd go. Um, occasionally I might do something like that on my Insta and write a long caption, but because of the world, I guess the world we're in, people are so quick to move on. Right. And if it doesn't catch your attention, they're not gonna, they're not gonna read it really. So Yeah. Say like a little child. If you want to catch the tension, all they have to do is make a sharp noise. They don't want to keep going on and on and on at you for ages. That's it. So, um, yeah, you have to be quick with what you're trying to, you know, get the attention of, grab it, and then move on, really. That's just the way things work nowadays. Right, so writing... so And, of course, writing long posts, actually, that's quite difficult on your phone. I've, I've found the best way from putting stuff up there is to, to write it in notes and then just transfer yeah. it. Or I was using... Um, Crowdfire at one point okay. to to you can use Crowdfire. You put your post in. You can link a video to it, and then because of the way Instagram works, about you uploading photos from a computer, mm-hmm. um, you have to just click this button that says 
it load this video now and then it loads up. So Crowdfire was quite good for um, mm. if you're using multiple, you know, different uh, social yeah. media platforms like Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn at the same time. You can pretty much put the same post. Um, obviously, so, if if you've got sounds like Plen- Plenoli is one I use. Plenoli, yeah, is, yeah, same yeah. The the only problem with Crowdfire, of course, is that if you do a if you do a post to Facebook where you can put a link in, obviously mm-hmm. you can't put that in Instagram. So you then have to go and put the link in the bio and do right. all that. Add that extra sentence in to tell people where they can, you know, find out about you. So uh, yeah. it's, not, it's not quite as easy, is it? <laughs> not for an old timer like me. Everyone can learn, and everyone. No, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I just, I, <laughs> I built a big platform on Facebook, so I tend to, yeah. I tend to sort of hang around there. And I also think, you know, social media is great, but these, the Instagram uh, and Facebook algorithms, I don't know how many people actually see your posts, but it's not all of your ten thousand followers. That's the problem. So you know, for me, yeah. it's for me actually. For business, it's all about building up a mailing list where I can control um, yes. if I'm sending out a, um, a message to my my group. As long as I manage cure, and curate my mailing list, I actually find that I get much. I think I get uh, forty five to fifty percent opens on the emails I send. So that probably nice. gets that probably gets to fifteen hundred people. Where on on Facebook, I'd have to have a following of fifteen thousand to get that um, <laughs> that sort of open rate. I think that's the, and that's the key, right? So like my, yeah, I have the same thing, a mailing list and when my blog posts go up and that's what happens. So it's about, yeah, it's obviously your audience, the people that will want to stick around and watch you will stick around and watch you, right? And I think it's not being scared that you're going to lose people, you're going to gain people and Mm -hmm. it's a continuous evolution of that. And I think I'm I'm quite happy with that fact. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you just got to decide. What, what platform you want to be king of, haven't you? And go all in on that one. And then maybe it doesn't mean you can't use the other ones, but mm-hmm. it's really difficult to try and have a massive following on YouTube and a massive following on Facebook because in the end, all you're doing is is generating stuff for social media. You're not actually doing any work and you still yeah. need to do work, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah, especially if you've got a nine to five. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, for me, it generates interest in my coaching business, mm-hmm. but I still got to write programs for people and I've got to still speak to athletes like, like yeah. yourself. Um, and that's the work, you know, the social media is really to uh, keep my name up there and, yeah. and be, be ahead of all these young coaches that are coming up that are familiar <laughs> with all this stuff. Enough of beats experience though. Well, let, let's, um, let's get on to talking about the outlaw then. Cool. Right. So um, they chose you. We've got four ambassadors. So they chose you, but you're not a triathlete. So uh, <laughs> what made them pick you up, Michael? So why a, did they pick me? Why did they pick you? Yeah. Um, so I, the, the, I guess the, 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 the company that, you know, we, um, I've worked with them in the past, um, on a few things. And I think it's more so my willingness to do anything, not anything that sounds weird, but my willingness to give anything a go. Um, and to, when they picked me, the only triathlon I had done was a super sprint in London, London try which is the shortest thing in the world when you think about it. When the, the run was 2.5K, the mm-hmm. bike was 10K. Um, but Yeah, but the swim the swim feels like a long way when you aren't doing much swimming, doesn't it? Well, yeah. That, when I got signed up for that, I couldn't swim a length of a pool without absolutely, you know, gasping for air. So um, I think for me, if someone gives me a challenge, then I work towards that. And I think that's how I've always worked and it works really well for me. Um, so, yeah, they gave me that task. That worked out well. So obviously, then I got approached by Outlaw um, to do the to do the the big <laughs> the the the, the seventy point three, um, and 
Yeah, definitely wasn't ready when they asked, but I thought if if there's ever a time to get ready, it's now. So mm-hmm. seemed like a good choice. Now we're 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 talking on the first of August. The podcast will um it'll be about the fifteenth. So by the time people listen to this, you'll have already done the London, the full London triathlon, won't you? Yes. Yeah, the Olympic distance. Yeah. Which step up from what you did before, but still only about half, or just a little <laughs> bit over half of what you're going to do in a few months. Yeah. But I think it's just, uh, for me, it's just, you, you knock down those, everything's about the steps. If you look at the whole picture, then sometimes the picture's scary. So if I take the steps towards the picture, then it shouldn't be as scary. Okay, so let's let's talk about your training now. So I've, prov- I've provided you with a programme. Yes, thank you. And uh, t- tell me about how that's going. Um, I, f- I personally think it's going quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I try it. I'm a sucker for a programme. Um, or, you know, being pointed in the right direction. So I like to, I think I'm a good student. So I like to hit each thing. And that's just always been the way I've been. Um, so it helps me stay focused because I'm, I'm quite a, what's the word where you just do stuff? I don't plan, I've never been a planner. But Act- if I activate, have, Activist, yeah. I think, is a good word. <laughs> yeah, I just, I've kind of, yeah, I've kind of winged a lot of stuff. I just wing it because mm. I know I kind of can. But I do like putting, being set in a direction, say like this will work, do this and do this. So yeah, when I got the plan, I was like, okay, cool. I think I'm doing really well. I hit mo. I say I hit 85% of my workouts. Um, sometimes I have to swap the days around just because of life. But apart from that, I do hit the workouts. That that's pretty sim- similar for most people. You know, <clears throat> no matter no matter how motivated, no matter how structured people are, life gets away, doesn't it? Your boss says. Oh, we're going to need to stay late. Somebody, you know, you want to have your children gets ill. You have to go and look after elderly parents. Your car breaks down. There's a there's a there's a rail strike and you can't get the train to get to the to get to the pool or something. Yeah. You know, life gets in the way. But um, and I, I think what I found with uh, dietary programs is that mm-hmm. if you are consistent, even fifty percent of the time, you'll actually get there. I think Precision Nutrition did a study on on people who follow. Um, nutrition programs and that found that obviously the people who are, have the most adherence mm-hmm. get the best results which yeah. is correct but even the people that adhered to a plan 50% of the time made improvements yes um o- over a year uh, i think in the short term it might, it might be a bit more difficult so if and and the majority of people i think probably fit into that between mm-hmm. 70 and 80% adherence to any program whether it's you know studying for a, a degree or um running a marathon doing a triathlon yeah. or, or trying to lose weight. You know, you, it's really difficult to be 100% adherent. That, yeah. Sort of very it's just monastic. consistency. Yeah, it is. And in, in the long term, if you're consistent, if you're swimming regularly, if you're cycling regularly, you probably don't need to run as much. So you could, I think we've we've sort of weighted the program so you do a little bit more swimming. Yep. So that, that probably the next thing to talk about is how are you finding the swimming? Because I guess from, from a background of not being, not, not ever having swum um, yeah. that's, that that that's probably your biggest challenge funniest thing the swim obviously i always love running running is kind of just the bread and butter but i really 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 enjoy open water swimming mm. i dislike pool swimming because i'm not wearing a wetsuit so i'm not as buoyant and there's just too many people too, everyone's really close even though mass starts are really really close as i found out recently mm-hmm. um I think but, um, I, I think you might be all right at Outlaw X. I think we're still on the staggered starts there. We did have a mass start, as you, you mm-hmm. might have seen at the Outlaw Full uh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago, but 
I think we're still doing the staggered starts at Outlaw X. I'm not too I'm not too um opposed to the, the mass starts now because um I've done I do a few uh sessions down at docks where they kind of practice this stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting used to tickling people's feet and <laughs> you getting tickled as well. So um, I don't mind. I guess you just have to put your assertiveness in the water and just focus on what you're doing. Um, so yeah, the swimming's been going really well, and I really enjoy our open water swimming. Um, so yeah, that's that's the answer there. I think that puts you a few steps ahead of most people because mm. if you ask anybody what they're most anxious about on a triathlon, it's nearly always the swim, and it's not the distance of the swim. And can I finish it? It's mm-hmm. I'm getting into a, a lake which is cold. There's no lane ropes. There's lots of other people around me. I can't see the bottom. You know, I mean, there are real these, but but totally irrational fears about will the fish eat me? Will the fish nibble my toes? I mean, I I, I can remember doing some training with a, with a, a boxer who was a, a multiple undefeated world champion boxer. He was 14 stone. And, you know, so he's a big chap. And he... He had a moment or two when he was petrified about mm. getting in the water because he was worried about the fish. And at one point, he he was swimming along and he was treading water and he felt something around his feet. And the other guy in the boat said, no, that's the bottom of the thing. It was only three foot deep. <laughs> and um, there were some weeds there that had caught on his foot and he thought he was being eaten by a, by a fish. Goodness knows what he thought was going to try and attack him. But, um, you know, and so even if you have utmost confidence in your fitness mm-hmm. abilities in one sport, it, it doesn't always translate into something else. At all. And I think, I think when I started the swim thing or le- trying to get good at swimming, I was like, why am I not good at this aerobically? Um, and the fact that I would do a 25 meter length and I'm like, I need a rest. Mm-hmm. I was like, why, why isn't it working? It's because I wasn't breathing properly or, you know, it's, it all, it doesn't, doesn't correlate all the time. Uh, but I guess once you get the hang of the little techniques, that's when it all kind of comes through. Swimming's all about technique. Yeah. A, f- a friend of mine was a world, oh, no, see, I'm not sure, he's definitely a British record race walker. And they're incredibly mm. fit. You know, these guys can walk a yeah. 10K as fast as most people can, faster than most people can run. I mean, I think the British record's like 35 minutes for a 10K mm. walk. Wow. But he was the same as you. Put him in a pool and he will be exhausted at the end of <laughs> meters. So. Clearly, it wasn't clearly it wasn't his aerobic fitness that was the limiter there. He was just um, just struggling and, uh, like you say, not breathing. And if you try doing anything for a minute when you don't breathe, you're going to be going to be struggling. <laughs> it's not going to work. So I'm always interested in you know this is an urban challenge. You're cycling in London. Mm. Um, so how do you make that work? Uh, I try not to. I hate it. I, I really don't like cycling in London. It's because I think uh, years years ago I did a I did a London to. Where is it? London to Reading? It's meant to be London to Reading and back. But we did London to Reading um, and going through Trafalgar Square, which is like hell on earth if you drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm sure I nearly got knocked off a bike. So that knocked my confidence. And that was in 2012, I think it was. So um, I didn't, I haven't cycled. Um, I didn't cycle on the road for a long, long time until I think it was signing up to the Outlaw again that really prompted me to get back on the bike. Um, because I've done events in the past where I've had to cycle on the road. They were usually in Wales where the roads aren't as crazy. Mm, yeah. Um, but they are hilly and they're pretty steep. But yeah, it's just it's just the, it's, you have to be really aware of, of the road users because unfortunately, but cyclists are still not 
I guess, as respect, respected as cars. Um, so you, you kind of just have to have your wits about you. So London's a tough place to cycle, but yeah, I just, I, I leave early um, and I do everything as early as, as possible, really. Do you get, do you, can you get down to the parks? Because there's quite a few organised cycle groups in Richmond and um, mm. Hyde Park, I think, that ride around in the morning. I think I think there's often a bit of friction between them and the runners. Um, <laughs> but but I do know that there's, there's, obviously there's a big cycling scene in London and not everybody can get out into Box Hill or wherever, which seems yeah. to be the most popular place. So um, I think they get into the park early in the morning and do laps there and there's a big peloton. Mm-hmm. Maybe, that's, maybe that's what you need to look for. That is it. Richmond is a is a hot spot, and everyone keeps telling me to go there. It's just getting to Richmond with my bike is always a fun thing. Um, yeah, maybe soon. So, did you do much on Zwift or trainer road? Yeah, so um, I I don't particularly use Zwift. I, I have an Echelon home bike, so um, all my kind of training like the, the, the sessions happen on that. Um, so, yeah pretty pretty well versed with my echelon bike mm. which has been a godsend actually being at mm. home yeah well i think i think indoor training is a, a super efficient way of getting in a, a good session you know you don't even where i live i'm 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 on the edge of bradford but i've still got probably 20 minutes of urban riding to get yeah. out into the countryside and you know, I, I used to cycle as a bike courier, so I'm quite comfortable around okay. uh, uh, riding in heavy traffic. But still, some of the roads I go on, it freaks me out. There's people driving there and, you know, you get nine out of ten drivers will give you a wide berth. And then one just, is, <laughs> just it's almost <laughs> like, they're in, well, it's almost like they don't see you or, or they're, they're trying to play a game of how close can I get to the cyclist without killing them. Um, <laughs> but but they go past, you can actually feel the wind as the bike rocks as they've gone whizzing past. And, you know, um, I know they're not looking in the mirror because they never respond to my sort of uh, aggressive hand signals. <laughs> they're long gone. It's, it's, and I think that's the biggest problem, right? I think London's trying to do a lot to, they bang on about wanting people not to drive. So they have to do more for the cyclist infrastructure. But, Without that, it's still quite dangerous to cycle in London. So it's 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 an ongoing battle that mm. I don't see getting any better anytime soon. They're trying, but it's, I don't think enough's being done. But here I am living it up for the cyclists. I've only just started this. There's people that have been doing it for years and years and um, talking about this battle. Um, so yeah. Well, I think I think the whole motorist versus cyclist thing is um, it's changing, but it's slow. I mean, when I first started cycling, you know, cycle lanes were unheard of. Dedicated cycle lanes, you know, um, have only just come in in the last few years. But even then, you know, I'm riding along. um, Well, I was driving along into Leeds the other day and there's some guys riding the wrong way down a cycle lane. Now, the cycle lanes on both sides of the road, but they're just tootling along on their mountain bikes going the wrong way down the lane now i'm thinking well you could have an accident with another cyclist then you've got people that i ride along the towpath that comes out of uh, leads up to my house so i, I get a, a car free ride home but it's not without mm. its hazards and perils you know there's <laughs> most people that are walking along are wearing a big pair of headphones like you and me listening yeah. to the, listening to spotify um they're engaged in their phone probably watching your reels <laughs> um, and, and responding to you, so they're not paying attention. They're wandering around the dog walkers on the on the mm. super long leads, um, and then you've got the cyclists that come in the other way that are sort of they're trying to race people. And uh, so it's it's still hazardous, even if you're in a more cycling friendly environment. 
it's not safe for anyone. But um, no, you know, I think all, the best we can all do is just stay as alert as we can. And sometimes, unfortunately, stuff's going to happen. I think it's just trying to minimize that, right? And I think, yeah, what what can we what can you do apart from protect yourself as well as you can? Well, yeah, yeah. But being aware, being aware of things is definitely, you know, you've got to be mindful, aren't you? It's almost yeah. like a, a meditative experience riding because if you lose concentration for one second, um, you know, it's you that's going to get hurt. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. Can, yeah um, <laughs> Which happened but, to me when I was in Windsor. I lost, I just lost concentration, and I think I clipped another cyclist's wheel, and that wasn't good. So I went off into a yeah. ditch. And he was all right, or did he come? Oh, they, oh, they were fine. Yeah. <laughs> They were gone, uh, but yeah, I was. Um, yeah, that was a fun. Okay, fun so experience. what? So that's the swim, bike, and run. Now, obviously, when you do your triathlons, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to you're gonna have to run after you've biked. That's the biggest tra- transition most people notice is that you know you're gonna spend ninety kilometers riding around the countryside of Nottinghamshire. Mm-hmm. Then you're gonna have to get off your bike. Your legs are gonna feel like they belong to somebody else, and <laughs> you're gonna have to run a half marathon next. So um, how are you getting on with the with the what we call brick training? Yeah, so I um, was, when I first found out that I was going to do this, um, the first thing, because I, I, you know, I was on Instagram, I asked a few people, what do, like, what do the sessions feel like? And they were like, oh, you need to try a brick session. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another, there was another girl I follow and she's like, she always talked about our brick session. So I thought, I'm going to try it. So, um, like out of nowhere, I think I started doing like two hour little things on the on the indoor, and then I'd go for a run. Um, and you definitely feel it, and it's a it's a wobbly experience. But I also feel like, oh wow, the warm up's done. So now this run's gonna feel amazing. I felt like the runs always got in. I got into the runs a lot quicker because I was warm and ready. So this is bearing in mind you don't spend too much time in transition, I guess. But yeah, I think. I, I see it as quite a positive. Obviously, it's not easy, but just getting up and running off the bike, your legs are already shaken out. There you go. I'm changing it into a positive rather than... No, well, that's uh, good. You know, it'd be interesting to see how you go on the day because <laughs> even, even even the people who've been running for years, they they think, oh, well, that's all right. Once I get onto the run, it'll be my strong point. And, yeah. uh, and you talk to them about race pace and when you get them to try it, it's like, oh, this feels really easy. It's very slow. But of course, after you've... After you've been riding for three or so, three three and a half hours, and you've done a swim as well, and mm. and then you've run ten k, and you've still got another eleven to go, um, all starts to feel a bit different. So then <laughs> that's so that's when the mindset kicks in, Michael. So what what are you like on um, mental strength? I'm um, pretty big. I think I've done quite a few like big challenges in the past that have kind of just been down to the way you think, really. Um, so especially doing all the Spartan races and stuff like that. Um, there's a there's a like subset of Spartan races which is called a hurricane heat, um, which is basically SAS grinding you down for like twelve hours. Mm. Um, last man, done... last man standing type of thing. <laughs> kind of just that. Hopefully, more than one person lives lives uh, f- finishes the event. And like I've done that, and I think from doing something like that, I was it's always kind of made me think. Listen, you are stronger than you think you are a lot of the time and there's always more in the tank. So um, I think mindset-wise, I'm quite switched on. Um, and I, I always I always think that I can do more maybe than I can. So in most, well, actually, I suppose in, in your 12-hour um, Spartan races, you probably do need to think about nutrition, but definitely 
for most runners who are doing halves and fulls, mm. you you need a little bit of nutrition just to get yes. you through. It's not a huge part of the race, but definitely if you're going to be out there for five or six hours, it plays a much bigger part. So how have you found that whole thing about taking nutrition while you're on the move, particularly when you're riding your bike and you're trying to open mm. a, a gel wrapper or a, <laughs> a, a, an energy bar wrapper? I think um, for me, it's been having like a, a proper like carby drink in my water well one of them anyway and then kind of having your gels or I, I don't really like gels that much um just because yeah they start to sit on my stomach so I prefer eating or chewing so if that stuff is half open ready to go mm-hmm. even though there might be some crumbs in my uh top or whatever you call it the tri suit um it's fine I can get out quickly bite it put it away there's no faffing around with rappers um, because, yeah, I, I don't want to faff around. So what, what have you been, uh, what, what's your favourite nutrition product then at the moment? Um, I mean, have, the, have, the, have Outlaw been giving you high five stuff to use? Because that's what we yes. supply on the day. So I do like a, I do like a high five, like the uh, stuff you put in your water, the electrolyte stuff. So that will be kind of what I use on the, on the water. Um, in terms of like the carby stuff, I've, I've always used... Um, well, started using mountain fuel because mm-hmm. I use that on an ult- a couple of ultras that I've done and that's got me through them. So, yeah, that's they're, they're full of calories um, and it's a drink, so that helps. Yeah, you sort of got to put the health thing out for, for one day, haven't you? you know, <laughs> ah, that's what, fine. Whatever eating philosophy you follow, you've got to put that aside for a day or two while you do your triathlon and then get back on it on the Monday. Eat everything. That's my philosophy um, when doing these kind of events. Well, not everything, but, you know, anything that gets me through it. So those and um, Trek bars have always done well for me. And Cliff. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, Cliff. I like the Cl- Cliff bars. Have some uh, have some good um, flavours, don't they? Mm-hmm. So tell me about tell me about the what, the biggest challenge you've had so far with your training. Um, biggest challenge, I guess, is just trying to, like I said, I'm a completer. So I, I like to do everything. So it's getting everything in. Mm. Um and, you know, there's been a few late nights and really early mornings. Um, and I guess that is a challenge. But then I guess I'm helped by having uh, I got a very young baby who's like four or five months old. So she wakes me up anyway. So I'm generally going to be awake. So getting sleep, that's the biggest challenge, sleeping mm. and recovering properly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that happens for a lot of people. They're bit, they have busy lives and they decide to do an outlaw event. And so <laughs> they, they've got even more stuff in their life. and. Um, in order to get the training done, they cut back on sleep, which is, mm. which is actually it's not a good thing to do, really. Yeah. But but that's what people do. Um, so again, you're not really any different, Michael, to a lot of the <laughs> other people out there. Good to what, know. What about your biggest breakthrough so far since we started? Um, I guess my 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 real enjoyment of open water swimming. Um, mm. Like I feel, I even swam through the winter um, just because wow. I knew I know it'd be really tough. Um, so when I get into the water now, it's kind of like ah, this is you know it's like I'm taking a nice bath um, in the Thames. But yeah, it's just it's just the, the enjoyment of open water swimming, that freeing feeling, and me actually feeling like it's not a chore. I think obviously when you first start anything, it can be quite Drawing, drawing, is that word? But um, mm. yeah, now I, I just I just enjoy it. So it makes things like doing the event quite not easy, but I just get into it and it's uh, yeah, it's good. 
Wow, swimming swimming open water during the winter is uh, impressive. Um, I bet, bet that gave you lots of content for your Instagram page as well. Oh, it was just it was weird because you can't stay in the water that long. Um, no. But I think it's just more about just testing yourself through it. Um, and I, you know, I've done the Lido swim in the winter, which was cold. I think it was like six, six degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was stupidly cold. But, um, you know, getting out to the docks is, during this winter when it's really clear, there's hardly anyone there because, you know, it's winter swimming. But it, they're, they're the kind of things that push you to understand what you can do when you put yourself outside the comfort zone, right? I mean, you've done it all without Wim Hof, right? That's it. Even though I do want to try his uh, little technique thing. Yeah. The, uh, the When you say you went swimming at the dock then, is, was there a small group of hardened swimmers that, that go all year round? Yeah. Um, and it's usually the um, uh, elderly ladies yeah. in yes. bikinis. Yes. <laughs> I'm there in a full-on wetsuit. I've got a hat on and some socks. And they're just, yeah, they're just paddling around having a conversation. They're the legends. We we were in um, in Cornwall mm-hmm. last end of last summer, sort of beginning of October. So the weather wasn't particularly warm. The sea was a lot warmer than the land, actually. <laughs> and uh, in Perranporth, if the tide's out, it's quite a long walk from uh, right down to the sea from where, where you get onto the beach. Mm-hmm. And one we committed to going, uh, doing skin swimming every day. Um, the water was 16 degrees and mm. we decided we were going to swim every day. Well, just go in for 15 minutes and um, you know, splash around and have a bit of fun. And on this last day, the rain was horizontal. We had to walk into the horizontal <laughs> rain across the beach. The, the, the wind was coming in at about 20 miles an hour. And we could see all these people that were going in. I'm thinking, oh, them, something's mm. happening now. I'd heard there's a group of females that got together during the pandemic called the Blue Tits. And if you look for them online, there's there's mm-hmm. a huge number of chapters all around the UK and uh, that are spread out across the, the rest of the world. And there was probably 20 or 30 of these ladies from, I think the youngest one was 15. It was somebody's daughter to the oldest one who was 70. And mm-hmm. they were just, they just got stripped off and they're in the shorts and the bikinis and they walked straight into the ocean. And there they were getting absolutely pummeled by these waves and having a right laugh. They love um, it. And you and couldn't, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this today. But when you see them <laughs> there, you can't really back out. And that's what it is, right? I think it's just um, when you when you, when you you measure yourself against seeing what people can do or have done, mm. I think sometimes it's just a good assessment of, you know what, I'll be okay. Um, obviously, don't, don't just jump in because that's never good. But um, yeah, they just set the tone and make you think, I can do it if I mm. try. So... As we speak, you've got, uh, what have you got left? You've got about seven or eight weeks to go. Yep, 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 yep. So do you, do you see any any hurdles and obstacles coming your way that's that's going to interrupt your training between now and the race? Um, no, no. Um, I have, no, I don't, which is a good thing. I've got a nice clear route. Um, I don't have any crazy events or anything lined up in between. Um, obviously my main one on to do the London try on, on Sunday now. And then, um, yeah, it's kind of the home straight to outlaw and mm. all these extra brick sessions that are in there, which should be fun. Mm. And you've got a little side bet going with one of our other ambassadors, haven't you? Ian Arnold, <laughs> yeah. uh, Ian runs London. Um, yes. have you been in touch with Ian to find out how that's going? Cause I think he's had a few of his own challenges, hasn't he? With his new job. 
He's a busy, busy boy. But um, no, I, I, you know, I, 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 when I can, I do catch him um, occasionally speaking or talk to him anyway. Um, and I think he's been trying to fit in what he can. And, you know, that's, um, that's sometimes you can only do the best you can, right? So, um, you know, I've, I'm guessing he'll... Uh, but Ian's, Ian's a dark horse, man. He's, he knows he's a good swimmer and he's been a good swimmer for ages. He's a good runner. And he's been a good runner for ages. And he's usually the person I chase when I'm running in these races. So, um, yeah, how good is he on the bike? That's that's the, the only place I'll try and overtake him on. Well, we, <laughs> we, we're certainly in the commentary team. We're going to have a bit of fun between uh, between the two of you on race day. And, of course, we've got we've got two other ambassadors, Alice and Paris. Uh, Alice, I know her quite well. Um, and Paris, I, I know through Instagram. So Yeah, of course um, you do, yeah. 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 Well, you you thought you thought should all be helping each other build your following, shouldn't you, by sharing <laughs> some followers out? Ah, so good. Well, Michael, it's been great. I know you've got a little one there who wants your attention. Um, you've done really well to keep her uh, uh, so quiet for so long. Um, In the uh, iPad. Yeah, appreciate your time today. <laughs> Um, look forward to catching up with you again in a few weeks' time. Yes. Um, where can any? We'll share all of your social media um, links. But where's the best place for people to follow you uh, if they would like to become part of your tribe? Hey, yeah, cool. Um, definitely Instagram. So at the Urban Challenger, um, and from there you can pretty much find links to everything. So that will link through to my blog, theurbanchallenger.com. Um, and yeah, they're the main two that I use. If you want to play around with TikTok, which is there now as well, um, the Urban Challenger as well. So simple, simple links. All right. Well, Mr. Urban Challenger, Michael and Aaron, thank you for your time. <laughs> See you in a no few worries. weeks. See you later. Thanks again to Michael for being a guest on this week's High Performance Human podcast. As usual, you can find links to most of today's discussion topics in the show notes below. To make sure you don't miss any future episode, please go to iTunes Search for High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast and subscribe. And if you don't mind, please could you leave a rating or review while you were there. It'll only take a few seconds and it means a great deal to me and also to our podcast rankings. Don't forget also to look out for that link in the show notes below so that you can download your free case study if you want to find out the simple formula I use to help athletes just like you excel at their first long distance triathlon. Okay, that's all for now. Have a great week and I'll see you on the next episode.